Hey gang, welcome to Livestream Stars. I'm Ross Brand. This is the show where we feature talented broadcasters delivering high-quality content across Livestream platforms. And Livestream Stars is brought to you by LivestreamUniverse.com, where you can find all of our schedules, past shows, and features. We also have daily updates with show recommendations on our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash LivestreamUniverse. And now you can find them on iTunes as well. We'd love it if you subscribe to our new daily live stream update podcast. You can find it at livestreamuniverse.com slash iTunes, livestreamuniverse.com slash iTunes. And tonight's guest is back for his second time on our shows. Tim McDonald goes by human with a heart. He's also an expert in community building relationships, social good campaigns. He's an online broadcaster, the co-creator of Creatings LLC, and life working, but as we dig into uh, his background related to live stream stars, Tim was the director of community for the Huffington Post. He also got a Huffington Post live streaming network, HuffPost Live started, and they had over 9,600 guests from more than 85 countries joining live on air and over 1.3 million comments on the platform. So Tim was live streaming before we called it live streaming. And he continues to do Facebook Live videos and is involved with several different projects. And Tim, welcome back. It's it's always great to chat with you, and it's so nice to have you back on the show. Oh, it's great to be here, Ross. And as you were just bringing up some memories, I remember when I was thinking about, you know, explaining the difference between recorded video and what I was doing live and I called it live stream and I didn't even know if it was the right way to call it wow. <laughs> what I was doing. So now it's like just most of us all know what that means. But uh, back just as short as four years ago, it was a pretty foreign term. <laughs> so you, you might have coined the term then. I, I don't know. I think if I go back in my LinkedIn bio, I, I was I was looking for, you know, skills and and I couldn't find live stream <laughs> video. So I think I maybe made made that up, you know. <laughs> right, right. And now uh, more than a few people have it uh, probably on their bio. <laughs> so um, talk a little bit about when you got started. What made you decide to do a live show when everybody else was recording YouTube videos and recording interviews and then posting them to YouTube or sharing, you know, links around social? What made you say um, live is going to be an important next step in building community at, at Huffington Post? Yeah, well, it started before Huffington Post, actually, when I started my community manager. And what I was finding was that I wanted to do something that brought together people um, in real time from all over the globe. And obviously, Twitter chats were going strong even back then. And I was just like, I just didn't want to do another Twitter chat. I wanted to do something different. And I said, what better way to bring people together if we can't meet in person to get on, on a Google Hangout? And it was right when Google had launched Google Hangouts before you could even do public broadcasts, when it was just like, you know, you could invite people in your circles to join. Um, that's when we actually started doing the Community Manager Hangouts. And, and it was just what I learned from that was it was such a great way um, to connect with people because it was the purest form of engagement that we could have outside of meeting in person. And the only two things that we really missed were smell and touch. 
And let's be honest, sometimes that's a good thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it can be good to to have a little bit of distance, right? And just get the <laughs> the sights and the sounds involved, right? <laughs> but we always need to become present for each other, right? Like right. if we were on a phone call or if we were exchanging tweets or doing anything else, Ross, I could be actually like having a conversation with my wife over here. Right. And you mm -hmm. would never know what was going on. But right. when that happens in live stream video, we actually see it. We know what's happening. We know the distractions that are going on and we know how present we are for each other. So we need to remain that present um, uh, state for each other for it to really be a good dialogue and good conversation. And that's what I love about live stream video is it takes away all the, all the, the excuses, all the distractions right, right. and really brings it into the purest form of engagement that we can have. Now, when you, you got started doing your, your first streams, were you doing it all by yourself or did you have other people working with you, helping you? How were you kind of managing the technology and the, the discussion and the guests and all that stuff uh, while you were live on air? Um, well, at the very beginning, it was all me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was it was me getting the guest. It was me, you know, sending out the invites. It was me helping people be the the tech guy because let's face it, Google Hangouts, you know, had a lot of issues. For I think they still probably do. It, it's you know, okay, you know, if you don't have, you know, back then, not a lot of people had Google Hangouts, and so it was. Right to do this, then you need to go here and, oh, you need to accept the permission to let your camera, you know, you need to accept right, the permission. Right. Oh, you don't have a webcam? You can't come on, you know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and then it was once we were on and we did go live, it was all about, you know, you know, I had a pre-written set of questions for our panel because that was the format that we did and we'd throw it out and it was me trying to keep it going as naturally as we could. Um, wow. and, and then having other people pop in. And, and so if we had people come in late that wanted to join, I'd, I'd like try and vet them on the side and then approve right. them to come in to hang out and, and we'd go, um, as we grew and the technology grew, you know, we got a team because now we had people that were, you know, wanted to have a Twitter chat along with the, the hangout. And so, right. you know, one person moderated the Twitter chat while I moderated the, the hangout. And then it was, you know, they came on the hangout and actually watched, you know, what was happening on Twitter and then fed in some of the conversation. So we were integrating what was happening on Twitter with the broadcast, much like people are doing with Facebook Live, right? right. It's, it's, a, it's a video stream. But if you're not engaging with the people that are talking to you on the comments, you're really losing the two the true effect of, of what the platform enables you to do. And I think what people expect as a viewer, they expect to be part of that conversation on Facebook Live. And so so this was all like building up a team that, that everybody had a role so that then I could just focus on the conversation happening and let somebody else pay attention to the Twitter, the Twitter questions and what was happening elsewhere. And then just bring that in for me to the uh, to the conversation. And as it's grown, um, and right. I'm not involved with it anymore. 
you know, there's two co-hosts or three co-hosts on, on the show. And then there's, you know, two or three people doing the Twitter. And so it, it's kind of a, a group and a team effort to really put that weekly show on now. Whereas when it first started, it was just me. And, and it was the same thing because I was doing that on a weekly basis. And then I started using another platform that's not around, uh, Spreecast. And, um, <laughs> and Spreecast was the same thing. It was me doing a daily show but getting the guests by myself, you know, getting that, you know, getting them familiar with that platform, uh, getting them on the on the conversation, and then doing all the recording, <laughs> and then writing up the blog post after, and and sending that out. So it was, uh, wow. you know, it was it was a lot to do. Um, but you know what? It really enabled me to understand the the all the nuances that went into. To doing something like that. And when I got hired at Huffington Post and I moved from Chicago to New York, the amazing thing was I saw what a production staff looked like. You right. know? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I was doing all this by myself at one time. And we have a whole, you know, production you know, booth behind the, the setup and the stage. And there's a director, there's a producer, there's, you know, there's assistant producers. And then we have, you know, the sound technicians, we have the camera operators, and then we have a whole <laughs> team of clip editors to put it together afterwards. And I'm like, okay, this is a totally different level than when I was right, doing it. Right. Um, and it gave me a whole new appreciation for what it means and what separates the average person from putting on a, a live stream broadcast compared to a, a major media organization that has the resources right. and the technology and the studio to actually produce something. And you can right. see the difference. You can see that. And so it, it's very, it's very different, but there's a lot of similarities. Right. Right. And right. with the technology, as it's moving forward and as different platforms have developed and different apps are available and all, it's getting a little easier, right, for the average person to have a more professional looking broadcast than it's ever been. Um, but there's no replacing. I mean, I can't even imagine. It's hard enough to follow comments and, and host a show and interact with a guest and everything. I can't imagine hosting a Twitter chat at the same time that you're, you're interviewing a guest and you've got comments. But you could tell, I, I, I can sense you could tell immediately that that's where the community building was, right? In the, in the chat, whether it was going on on Twitter while people were watching, whether they were just chatting on Twitter while it was live, even if they weren't watching the live, or they were, you know, in the hangout and responding and whatever, that that's really what made live video special. And you could see the potential in it for building community, right? It's that engagement that you don't get in traditional TV or in recorded videos or whatever. It's that real time feedback and sort of crowdsourcing, right? Because we can't know everything about everything. Well, I was going to say, Ross, the, the one thing I remember was I had those questions for each week that we, we hosted the Hangout, but it was always, you know, don't let those questions trump the conversation that's happening and what the people that are part of that conversation want to talk about, because that's where you should let it flow. You can obviously right. guide it in a certain way, but you don't, you don't want to ever have it like scripted. And I think that's the beauty of live stream video is it, it's not scripted, right? It's a conversation. Right. And, right. and unlike any other broadcast that's been about, and, and even if we watch TV today, if we listen to a podcast, if we do any of these things, we're, it's one directional, right? We're getting right, it. Right. And, and I mean, 
granted TV shows are, are trying to integrate, you know, some kind of instant feedback, like with Twitter and, and, you know, vote for your favorite, you know, who do you want to save on the voice or, or any one of those things. Right. And so they're trying to incorporate social media with that and the real time engagement, but nothing that you're doing is mm -hmm. becoming part of that show. Right. You're just, and it voting. feels very it's contrived to me. Oh yeah. I, I, I agree. And, but, but, this, what we're doing here and, and bringing other people in and being able to listen to comments and, and get people's questions and, and recognize people for providing those questions and what their thoughts are, you know, even though it's just you and I on the camera right now, that's a, a huge opportunity for, for anybody, any organization, any individual to really help develop and build your relationships and make new connections in a purposeful way with people is because now you're, you're making them feel like they belong to what you're doing right. instead of just consuming what you're doing. And we have some great people watching right now already. Uh, Michael D. Thomas, Chef Michael is here. Uh, Lynn is here. Claudia Santiago. Mitch Jackson is here. And Mitch mentions, because uh, he goes back to the Spreecast days. That's, that's mentions, where I met Mitch. <laughs> mentions a show called Coffee Time. Coffee Time Chat. Yeah, that was uh, that was the my Spreecast show. That was the one I did every day. <laughs> And I just I, I my whole thing was I would have a virtual cup of coffee with a different person mm -hmm. every day, just like we were meeting in person. Only we did it via uh, spreecast video. And it was a great way for me to network and meet new people because I didn't want to meet people that I already knew. I wanted to meet new people. So I'd bring somebody on. Um, and at the end, the thing I'd always do is I'd ask them for three referrals of people that I probably didn't know. And then they'd introduce me to those three people. And. I'd invite those people to become guests and have a virtual cup of coffee with me. And I did that for several months until I moved to New York and I continued to do it. But then after we launched HuffPost Live, my my duties really uh, needed to be directed there and not at hosting right, right. A, my own uh, daily show. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing. Have you thought about doing it again or just too time consuming, uh, you know, with all the other things you have going on? Yeah, I mean, I, I've definitely thought of doing something and I think you'll probably see something coming up um, this year. I don't I, I think, you know, for me personally, um, you are so organized, Ross, you you know, you book this, you know, months in advance and you do an excellent job at, at having everything and what and the updates you. That you do every day for everybody. It's amazing. I am not you. Um, <laughs> I am, I am not that organized. I like, I get a feeling I want to do something and I do it, you know? So, right, right. Um, so for me having a regular time that I do a show every week, um, or every day would, could be very difficult, um, because it's just not like in my nature to want to do that. But, um, but I do see an opportunity where we can actually start bringing people together around shared purpose and having short conversations and and maybe those become like weekly open um open i want to call them office hours right like your professor in school always had the the office hours where you could go and talk right. with them right we have that but it's all based around people that that come together around a shared purpose and whoever wants to show up that week can come up around and show up and i think that's kind of what i'm leaning towards for 2017 is is more of an open time so then it's not always on me having to be there it's just the people right. that show up being right. there that's a great idea. Um, when we talked last time, uh, you were working on something called cre creative is creating is, and also creating life, is. life working. Um, yeah. are those still projects you're working on? And if so, can you tell us a little bit about them? 
Yeah, well, well, creating is is basically my my company. So okay. it is um, it's what I run all my speaking, all my workshops, any any type of consulting work I do right. is all based under creating is um, with the whole essence that it doesn't confine me to one thing. Um, mm-hmm. It really opens up to projects that are a good fit um, for me and for the people that I'm working with. Um, we can run run it through there. Life working, I'm really excited about because um, my my partner, Ayala Barron, um, her new book just came out last month called um, Our Journey to Corporate Sanity. And there's a whole part of the book that's based around life working. And I kind of fall into that area. And, you know, real simply, it's it's. You know, for me, life working is not looking at at a work life balance. It's not working at a work life blend. It's looking at having one life, experiencing it to the fullest, and understanding that work is just one subset of that life. And there's many other factors that 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 are parts of the subset that make up living too. And so, so life working is truly kind of you know transforming the way we think about about things and not looking at at work and life as being two separate things but really experiencing life to the fullest and just understanding that works part of that and so what we do with some of the talks that we do what some of the workshops that we do are really help people start to understand and realize what you know how they can look at things a little bit differently um, to get different results, right? That's why people right, go right. to workshops. That's why they, they go to conferences to listen to people. They want to get something new out of it. They don't want to do the same thing they've been doing. Right, right. And, and so what do we do? We go listen to people and we go to workshops that tell us exactly what we know because we've read it in books and we've heard it before and we've been told by other people exactly how to do it. And that's what we're trying to do with life working is really get people understanding that there's a new way to look at things. And, right. and and the new isn't exactly new. It's actually very old. But we help people get back in that mindset of understanding that. And so that's the, like a, a really exciting project, especially with her book coming out, um, is is really bringing that about and this whole shared purpose of what I talked right. about, you right. know, having those open office hour type of, of video and live streams. Um, that's all part of what we're planning on doing with life working with her book that just came out. So um, a lot of different things happening around that. You mentioned that it's really a, a very old concept. Can you talk about how you see it as an old concept? Well, yeah. Um, you know, I think especially in America here um, and, and you know, in a lot of the, the industrialized world, you know, what we've seen is, is, you know, we've gone away from, you know, doing business in a way that, that we could actually help our neighbors, right? right. And help and benefit our towns. And it all became a matter of the worker getting a right, but still benefiting the company. And that didn't matter who we hurt because it was always about winning. It was never about how do we all win? It was about how do we win at the expense of somebody else? And if you really look at almost anything in business today and anything in our life, right, it's all about how do I get more and it doesn't matter who I run over to get there. Mm-hmm. And I say and I say that very, very bluntly because most of us don't look at it or think of it that way. But the reality of what we're doing is exactly that. We're benefiting because somebody else is losing. And I don't think that's the way we need to live. We can go back to what we used to have. We can go back to a place where we actually cared about our environment. 
We cared about our neighbors. We cared about our community and start looking at, and this doesn't mean that we can't benefit ourselves too. Right. You know, right. and, and so it's really, I think that the purest form of this Ross is we forgot what having conversations meant because mm-hmm. we we've all gotten so focused on especially like in this space here, right? Like on live stream, you know, video and with social media. And, you know, a lot of the people that are doing this are all about trying to build up their brand. Mm -hmm. And in order to build up your brand, you need to be different. You need to be louder. You need to be funny. (laughs) You know, you you need to have something that's more than anybody else, right? That's all the wisdom that we've had. But when does anybody stop and go, Ross, what do you care about? Right, right. And when we start doing that, that's when we start learning how we can help each other, how we can benefit each other and how we can what our shared purpose is so we can start co-creating the world that we want to live in instead of just pointing fingers at what's wrong in the world. Right, right. And you see a lot of a lot of sort of uh, I I see a lot of needless competition in the, the social media live video space where. You know, it's really in the big picture, a small space. So if there was more, you know, more people were collaborating, um, it really not to use a cliche, but a rising tide lifts all boats. Really, if there was more, if there were more people collaborating, I don't know why that's so difficult for me to say, but if more people collaborated, let's try it that way. um, (laughs) I, I think we, you know, we could share our audiences and our knowledge and our expertise and all of us make more of an impact. Um, but, uh, you know, that isn't necessary. That's happening on in sort of certain niches, but not as as much as we'd love to see it, I think, happening. Right. And imagine businesses doing that. Right. 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 (laughs) And I mean, we do see that a little bit, but we don't see it large scale. We don't see it always for the right reasons either. And, and it's not trying to force everybody to, to collaborate together. It's about finding the unusual partnerships, you know, because you're coming together over shared purpose. Instead of looking at, at structure and leading with structure, let's start leading with purpose. And, and if we're coming together and doing things with a shared purpose, we know why we're doing it. We're, we're more apt to want to do it together. We want to because we're both doing it for the right reasons. And right, that's, right. I think, what we need to get back to. And so but it all starts with this simple thing called listening. Right. <laughs> we'll do that. And if they do listen, it's because they're listening to this, the people that are just like them. You know, um, when's the last time, right? And and Ayala I uses this example when she did some contract work. It was, you know, she was working with a big pharma company and they all wanted to, you know, working on innovation and how they could, you know, change up some of the products that they were doing and the experience for customers and patients. And, you know, one of the things that she looked at was never in, in any of the things that they were doing, did they ever ask the patients or the nurses or the doctors, you know, what they wanted. They were asking their researchers, their salespeople, their, you know, (laughs) their their research groups. They were never going out and bringing all the people that were being affected by the products that they were putting into the marketplace and understanding how it impacted them. And as soon as they did that, everything shifted. Everybody had a new way of looking at things. 
And that's the beautiful thing. I think that what we can start doing is, is by actually listening to people, not just the people that we are surrounded with all the time, but going outside of that bubble, right? And start talking with people that are going to be impacted by our decisions that we don't usually talk to. And that's right, where we right. start finding how we can truly start to innovate in a purposeful and meaningful way. One way you do see kind of a mindset changing in some companies and not I, I can't say that this is most of them uh, or even more than a small handful. But from the HR side, you do see some companies starting to recognize that when an employee leaves, right, because they, the employee wants to better themselves, they want to get a new opportunity, they want to make more money, they want to do something that they're not getting to do in their current position, maybe they just don't like their manager, whatever reason, right? That person isn't necessarily, like, if you take the mindset, okay, that person betrayed us, or they're going to a competitor, so now we shut them out, and there's no more communication, whatever, but instead looking at it as an opportunity, now that person, if we stay in touch and we put together a nice alumni network and we continue to, you know, communicate and everything, that person can refer business to us. That person can share knowledge and share their network. We, when they have something that they do really well, can use them as a consultant or use their firm. And, and businesses are finding that who accept the new reality, right? The new reality is you're not going to get one job and stay with a company forever. Although we still sort of act like there's this traditional ladder where you just stay a long time and eventually you'll make it up somewhere to the middle and you'll retire with the gold watch and all that stuff. But the, the reality is that world doesn't exist anymore, right? So companies that embrace the reality that we help our employees build their brands and, and make connections and grow and learn and that can come back to us. And and this isn't a pie in the sky like, OK, let's be all, you know, kumbaya and everything. This There's actually a business benefit to having allies, people who had a good experience, were treated well, were given the opportunity to grow their network and their brand, not as something that was opposite the company, but something that supported the company. And then they would leave stronger and actually maintain a good relationship and the opportunities for collaboration continued when they were outside of the firm. But that's, you know, it's not there with a lot of companies yet, but you're starting to see some companies recognize that, okay, this person's only going to be an employee for a year and a year and a half, but they could be an asset as a customer, as a client, as a referrer, as a consultant for the, for their lifetime. Right. <laughs> One even imagine what companies are doing with their current employees, right? That that has never been done before. And we're starting to see progress in this area where where people are being connected with other people in different departments, not right. over what their job function is or the project that they're working on, but what about what they're interested in, what they're passionate about, what they care about. And so so you know, this this internal advocacy of employees is is helping organizations, too, because these are leading to those unlikely partnerships within organizations. They right. are helping. They are helping morale within the company. They are helping employee engagement. They're leading to more employee referrals. They're leading to innovation. They're leading to collaboration. And it's all because they started communicating over purpose instead of just doing it based upon the traditional structure that they've had. Right, right. And, and, and so, yes, this is like, and everything that we're talking about, Ross, it's about community, right? right? 
but nobody want everybody says what's the ROI of community and the the reason why it's so difficult to just give a blanket answer to that blanket question is because we just gave about 10 different scenarios that that community can be used in and in each one of those scenarios it has a different way of measuring the impact that it has because right. the results that you're trying to get in its organization are different and so the ROI of community is all based upon what is the impact that you're trying to create with your community? Right. And, and then we can answer that. There's, there's employee retention. There's customer right. retention. There's customer acquisition. There's, you know, recruiting costs. There's employee engagement. There, you know, <laughs> right, there's, right. there's R&D. And so we can, you know, that's what community really can deliver to an organization. Any one of those things, plus about two dozen other things. Right. And and part of the problem is that, you know, again, from an HR perspective, we reward people based on the past quarter. Right. But none of these things take none. Of, yes, you can get lucky and come up with a, you know, a community approach. Right. And something big could fall into your lap. But in general, it's a long term, just like social media, getting getting more social, getting getting involved with live video, any of these things. You don't see the results the next day. Right. They take time, but that the companies need to make need to commit to it for for a while, right? And that's a hard thing to do when your top people are being evaluated. How did you do last quarter? Well, yeah. Why am I wasting time with this community thing? Because if I don't get my sales numbers up tomorrow, I'm not going to be here anymore. <laughs> well, this is this is my little drawing here. Let's see if I can get it. So the top one. Yeah. So the top one is like a little blip. Right. And I always use this in talking about the difference between like, you know, getting just focusing on numbers for short term, because this is right. like, let's just use like an influencer for an example. You get a celebrity to endorse you. They get paid. It's a transaction for them. You mm -hmm. get the big blip and then you're right back to where you were afterwards. Right. A community down here. This is long tail growth. This starts small, it starts slow, but over time, it sustainably grows and continues to grow. And you get to a certain tipping point and you don't even think about it anymore because it's what you've built years before that that helped you get to where you're at now and it almost runs itself. But you can't just start with that. You need to build up. And that's what community is about. It's about playing for the longer term, not just for an immediate gain. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. And, you know, as we go into 2017, let's let's shift gears back uh, to live video and social media and community management a bit, um, because we, we always like to sort of take take a look at where we're at. Right. As we head into a new year and 2015 was kind of the year where it all got started with live video, not not for people like you and Mitch and all <laughs> who've been doing it in the spreecast days, but for most people, it started with Periscope, Meerkat, or Blab. And now when you look around, two of those three platforms don't exist anymore. Uh, Periscope is is moving forward with Periscope Producer, and they're trying to really kind of go toward the top percent of people who are, you know, big following and, and well-produced stuff and whatever and, and see how they can they can sort of monetize off of that, right? So it's a completely different game from the grab a cell phone or have an informal conversation that it was uh, perhaps in early 2015. Where do you see kind of live video going or social video, however you want to kind of categorize it in, in the upcoming year? 
Well, I think, you know, especially moving into next year, um, because there is still this thing, you know, people have been live streaming for, for a long time before even I was, because as soon as the iPhones came out and had FaceTime, that's live stream video, right? right. The difference between it is that that was a personal conversation between two or a couple of people instead of it being broadcast to the world, which is typically, I think, what we talk about live stream video right. today. And so, so I think that's where we need to, to, that's where I'm seeing the difference. We are getting to a point finally that so many people have grown up with these things in their hands right, right. that for them, getting on video is no big deal. For people like you and I and my parents and most of my friends, <laughs> right. hitting, a, hitting a broadcast button is like a psychological barrier. Right. Do, do I look good? Right. You know, oh, did I shave? Did I, is my hair okay? You know, and, and is my lighting okay? What am I wearing? Do I have, you know, my makeup on? I don't wear makeup. I, I mean, I have, right. but right. that's a whole different story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that'll be, that'll be another show. <laughs> but, but that's, I think what we're getting over is people today don't care. Right. They're, right. they're, and that's what we're going to see is more and more people jumping on. And you and I were talking a little bit about this before we, we started going live today is, you know, this is the first time I've seen Facebook actually have television commercials to advertise right. Facebook live. And, and it's just showing people broadcasting like what they're eating, what they're making for dinner, you know, what's going on at their party or, you know, whatever. And, and I think what we're going to start to see is more and more people are going to be active on that. But as they become active on that, that gives brands an opportunity to actually do this with some of their fans, to do this right. with some of their customers, to get them in the conversation. This is a huge opportunity where we've never had it before to actually give those people a sense of belonging into your community. And it's right. so simple for a brand or organization to do this is just to get on and, and do a broadcast and invite some of these people that they can, they can, you know, pre-vet, right. We can make right. sure that, that who we're getting is, is not going to make us look bad and, and really have it be something that, that the, their community becomes part of, of what they're doing and helps them get more people following them and more people aware of, of what they're doing. And so I really see this as a huge opportunity. And I think that, you know, I really see, cause, both you and I are doing this on our on our computers, mm -hmm. right? Um, right. This has been the way that I've always done it for you know since I first started. It was you could never imagine doing it from your phone because the you know three G back then wasn't good enough, right? Right. And, right. and even four G isn't isn't good enough, or LTE isn't good enough in a lot of times <laughs> to do. So I think in 2017 we're going to start seeing it where a lot of these platforms. That, that like we're seeing here, and even though most people are probably watching this like on Facebook, right, mm -hmm. is, is I think we're going to see more and more platforms like this allow us to start broadcasting with our phones and have real-time conversations instead of it just being a me broadcasting out from my phone type of situation like most right. of the, the mobile platforms are now that are live stream are all one directional. Yes, you can talk and you can interact with people via the chat but you don't get to have conversations. And I right, think that's right. what we're going to start seeing is, is more and more of these are going to move towards using our mobile devices 
to allow people to have actual conversations. Instead of a mobile device being a one-to-many broadcast where you yep. just go on and you say, hey, I'm here and I'm this is what I'm doing. And, you know, or you rant about something or or you can even do a show with just your mobile phone. You could do a show, but it tends to be one way unless you have some sort of sophisticated app or, you know, um, like what what you're doing right now, you know, is using blue jeans, right? The blue jeans app to, you know, record via this with two people Mm -hmm. to get on Facebook live. And what I'm seeing and what I'm projecting and what I've heard Facebook hint Mm -hmm. to is they will allow you to start scheduling Facebook live. They will start allowing multiple guests. Now, when that's going to happen, how quickly they roll that out is yet to be seen. So right within Facebook, you don't even leave Facebook to go to another platform to do your interview. You don't need any extra software or anything. Right within Facebook, you press a button, welcome Tim on. I press a button, welcome Tim on or whatever. And, you know, then we're just we're we're doing the show from wherever we are. (laughs) It's not even a show necessarily. It's just a conversation, right? (laughs) I mean, yep. And it's taking... Yeah. Imagine, you know, this is what I loved when I was at HuffPost Live, right? We Mm -hmm. got people coming from, you know, the, you know, you know, from the, 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 you know, different events happening all over the world. We got, uh, I remember specifically, there was a mom who got, um, got her kid expelled, I think from a North, I think it was a North Carolina school for sending her kid uh, to school with sunscreen because it, it had, you know, medication in it or something. And so her kid got expelled. And, you know, obviously we were like, what? <laughs> this doesn't, right, this right. doesn't make any sense. And so we actually got that mom on via Skype into mm-hmm. Post Live from her car, you know, wow. with her kid in it. And so that was like, you know, imagine what would have happened in the past, right? We would have had to send a crew out meet her at her home, the story would have been over by then. It would have been reported all over the place. And so we were actually able to get that mom in real time right after it happened to join us live from her car with her kid in the car and and actually get that conversation. We were able to get people, um, you know, from the Middle East when there was some uprisings happening. We got Mm -hmm. them to actually join us on Hangouts from right inside where all this was happening and give us a firsthand perspective of what it meant to be there. Um, when the, the Boston bombings went on, I, I remember we were always at HuffPost Live always about the story behind the story. So we right. didn't want to just talk about what other new news media outlets were talking about. We wanted to kind of develop the story behind that. And I remember when, when that was going on, we made a commitment that we just weren't going to be like the, the network news and keep rehashing the same thing over and over. So what we started to do was we actually started talking to people that lived in those neighborhoods and they were joining us, telling us how they were basically on lockdown. They couldn't leave their house and how were they getting food and water and and what did that mean for their lives and how they were, you know, acting. And so it was just fascinating to, you know, to get those firsthand experiences. And I think that's like the opportunity that I see, not saying that everybody needs to be an investigative, you know, media outlet, but imagine what you could start doing when you're when you're 
in the heart of something happening right. and broadcasting that out and, and getting guests in, right? Or let's say you're at the, you're at the airport, Ross, and you meet somebody that, you know, uh, you know, a famous celebrity and, and they agree to be on your show. But instead of having to book something with them, right, you just right. get on your phone and start broadcasting it out right there. And I think, and, and oh, you know what? Their friend is in LA and you're in, in you know, New York. So let's get them on too. And, and all of a sudden now you have right. this, this instant show happening, right? Because you knew how to use this technology. The technology is caught up to make it easy enough for you to use. And the party was willing to do it. And now you just brought everything together. And, and that doesn't really exist today. And like, that's where traditional media is going to have to adapt, right? Because right now it takes 20 minutes, a half an hour, 45 minutes, depending on where they are, to get a camera crew out there and get a reporter out there on the scene, whatever. So somebody with a cell phone can be giving you real time view of what's going on. And um, you're seeing more and more on the news and whatever that they're going live to, you know, via Periscope or, you know, <laughs> who's ever there. Right. And, and so knowing how to use this can be an opportunity when you see something happen in front of you to capture it. And, and you could be the one, really who's getting the video to that day's big, big news or big event. Um, but like you said, it's also an opportunity because too many opportunities, you know, when I remember when I worked in radio, right? A lot of times you try and get somebody high profile. When you try to get somebody high profile on a show, there's different ways to do it. Right. But some people won't say yes, unless you can do it now. So if your show is live at the moment you connect with them, they go, well, you know, I got 10 minutes now. Let's do this. Well, if your show isn't live, the only option you have is, OK, we'll go in the studio and record it and then we'll play it in the middle of the show tomorrow or whatever. Um, but now you can literally with this go live. And as you said, you know, bring somebody in. You know, they don't you don't have to send the camera out to them. You don't have to, you know, schedule a time or anything else. You can go live, record it. If you want to replay it at a certain time, you know, you want to post it when you do all your posts at five in the morning or whatever, you can do that. But you still give this great live experience for anybody in your network who gets notified and can join in and and see what could be a once in a lifetime interview. Absolutely. I, I think this is this is what we're primed for. We've 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 kind of had it where it's been one to many. And now right. we're going to have it where it can be we can have multiple people join and actually have a conversation that's broadcast even more. And that's the one thing that we haven't really seen a lot of, unless if it's coming from one of these organizations that has the technology to be able to do that. But most individuals don't have that. And so I think this is what I'm going to see, look for a lot in 2017 is us shifting towards this one-to-many broadcast and really get into how can we bring many people together, have a conversation, have that broadcast to the world. Right, right. I, I think that, um, how, do, how do you think, you know, obviously Facebook is betting on that live video will become the next big thing, right? Or video will be, because they're clearly prioritizing uh, when you post something on your page, right? On, on a Facebook page, if you post text or you post an image, you're getting like four people to see it. But if you go live all of a sudden, in fact, even I thought if you posted recorded video, they were going to give that a boost. But when I posted on my Facebook page recorded video and not shared it the few times I didn't share it right away, I noticed that like an hour later, only three people have seen it or three people have seen it. But 
you know, so you have to, I have to share it to my personal and share it in groups and stuff like that. But when you go live, they're clearly prioritizing that video and letting everybody know whether or not they say, you know, subscribe to this person. You don't have to subscribe. If they're in your network and they go live, you're getting a notification. Do you, do you think that that's going to be the future of social media will be live video? Just like sort of, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk likes to say what we call social media is really what the internet is today. Well, eventually what we, what we, when we say social media, will we really just mean you're going to video with some, you're going to go video with somebody? <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, Video is always going to, you know, it's never going to totally replace, I think, you know, text. And and when I say text, I mean what we post, right? Or or what we share on Twitter. And granted, I mean, images are making a big play with, you know, with Instagram, with Snapchat, with, you know, even Facebook was big on on images, right? A, a right. few years ago. And, and what we're seeing though, is the move towards video because more and more people are starting to consume video. And, right, right. and so the more and more people that consume it, the more and more these big players want to grab their portion of those viewers. And so I think that that's what we're starting to see. And, and I do, I do think that that video is going to become, you know, one of these things. And I don't think this is going to be like in 2017, right? Right. But, right. but, but, you know, we're already seeing it like on our doorbells, right? You can get the doorbell with the camera in there and look in, <laughs> yeah. look on your phone and see who's at your front door. You know, you can, you know, we're seeing it in so many different things that we don't just think of off the top of our head, unless if we have it. And and it's not too far off from what some of these you know, futuristic reality shows were back in, uh, you know, five, 10 years ago. And, you know, where, where people are just talking on screens or as you walk by a billboard, it actually knows right. your name and talks to you. And, <laughs> and I think that's the direction we're truly moving towards, right? Is, is that we're, you know, hopefully it's not going to be the same way where we're just being bombarded with messages, but hopefully mm -hmm. it can be a lot more purposeful. And we can say, you know, oh, you know, your mom was trying to call you, Ross, as you were walking down because <laughs> you hadn't looked at your phone because you don't need to anymore because a video is actually right, telling right, you right. that your mom's trying to get you, you know, and you can just actually sit and talk to her like what used to be a payphone now can be just about any billboard at a subway in New York City. Right. And you right. can actually have that conversation with your mom. And I think that's like, I mean, it might sound crazy, but I think that's like the direction that we're moving. That's how prominent video is going to be playing a role in our future. It's not just going to be what's happening on Facebook. It's not going to be just what's happening on Periscope on Twitter. It's not going to be just what we record on Snapchat or on Instagram. It's going to be much more integrated into our entire lives. Wow. wow. And when I think about social media, then leaving leaving aside live video, looking at the rest of the ways that we engage on social or even on the Internet, uh, you know, you want to stretch it to blogs and, and things like that. Um, but you know, image posts, text posts and and other types of conversation, Twitter chats, all that kind of stuff. Do you see something like really changing this year or an opportunity away from live video uh, where a brand or an individual can can really, you know, we should take a look at this th in 2017. This is what I think is going to be big or this is this is an opportunity that not many people are using, but it's 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 going to grow or just something different with social media in 2017, because I know so many people are so focused now on w video and that's where it's all happening. And then VR and all that kind of stuff. But 
moving away from video for people who are never going to want to do video, what should they be looking at? Or, you know, people who do like video and also use social to amplify what they're doing and all what, what do you see? Anything, anything, you know, surprising maybe or different for next year? You know, um, one thing that I've really been reading and hearing a lot about is how some major media organizations are actually using um, messaging apps that mm -hmm. are, you know, are big in other parts of the world. Um, I mean, they're big here in the U.S., but but like WhatsApp is, is really big in some different countries. And so, you know, for for them to actually be making an investment because those are not platforms that are set up easily. You need to manually set up your list and you can only do, I think, right. up to 300 people in a group on, on WhatsApp. And, you know, so, I mean, it's very mm -hmm. labor intensive for them to do this, but they're making that investment because they see the value in connecting with those people in different parts of the world using a platform that they can use. And so I, I think that, you know, if you're looking for something, the it's not just one thing that you should go look at, right? right the first right. thing that you should look at is what are you trying to achieve? You know, mm -hmm. who do you want to connect with? And then think about where they're at. Think about the technology that they have available to them and then start understanding what you can do to actually connect with them. The one thing that everybody is going to have is is uh, a phone in their hand, right? But, right? but for some, you know, having this thing charged is not a given. You know, having, right. having a good connection is not given. So for them, sometimes the simplest messaging is going to be an SMS. Right. And and understand that, because if those are the people that you want to connect with, you really need to make sure that you're connecting with them in a in a meaningful way. Otherwise, they're never going to hear anything that you have to say and you're never going to reach the people that you want. Are you concerned at all? Um that Facebook and a few other platforms are getting so big that they control the information that we see now in a way that never really happened before, where they can really make an issue disappear if they want to, or make an issue prominent beyond, you know, <coughs> excuse me, and, and determine, you know, there's a whole issue with fake news, right, that people have been talking about. Well, I, you know, the first thought is, OK, great. Somebody can filter that out. But who decides? Right. Who becomes the arbiter of what is fake and what is not? And anybody who has the power can obviously abuse that power based on what their agenda is at the moment or, or whatever. So a story that could that get through this week when they have one interest, uh, you know, cannot get through next week when their interest, when their business interests change or whatever. So obviously, you know, this is nothing new, right? It, it's gone on with, with media, local media, national media and all, all that. But never before has there been this gathering place where Facebook is almost becoming the internet, right? You could stay on Facebook and consume your news, your entertainment, your, you know, know what's going on in sports. I have to try and avoid sports scores if I tape the game because I get the my favorite teams. It has to tell me right away when I when I open up Facebook on my phone, right? So um, I'm I'm engaging with people that I work with. I'm engaging with people that are family and friends. It's it's like my whole life could be lived on on Facebook. I think I'd miss out on a few valuable things, but in general, so. What I'm saying is that Facebook obviously has a lot of power in how we perceive our world, both socially and community, but also politically, globally, and, and all that kind of thing. Are you do you find that a concern at all? Oh yeah, but it always has been, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
I mean, the the whole reason why they're making your Facebook live videos be seen by more people are because they want you using it. And that's them using their influence over what they see as being an area that they want to grow is making it more beneficial for you to use. So and all of a sudden, then um, this is kind of like when they started getting businesses on on Facebook pages. Right. And right. as soon as they got them interested in, oh, you do a page and you do this type of post and you get this type of engagement and we'll show you all this and, and your numbers are going to grow. And then as soon as you started growing your numbers and go, now this is great, I can't it. live without it. Oh, you need to pay for this now if you want it. And so so they've been doing this for a long time. And as soon as you started asking me this question, I, I mean, that 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 saying that, you know, oh, I read it on the Internet. It must be true. Um, you know, we, we can just change. to I read it on Facebook. It must be true. You know, okay, and, right. and, and think of how ridiculous that is, because, you know, who's sharing the information on Facebook? It's people. Mm hmm. You know, it's people. And yes, their platform can control what we see and what we we don't see. But we still have a lot of control over the settings that we do, the posts that we say we don't want to see more of, you know, adding adding blockers in there, adding filters right. and privacy settings so that we're getting the information that we deem that we want to be seeing. You know, it's not foolproof. We're not going to see everything that we want to see. But but, you know, we got to remember this is a free platform, right? Mm -hmm. And and free comes with a cost. It always does. Right. And the cost right. is that that they're going to control some of what we see. And we need to decide if that's not what we want. We need to leave that platform. But then you need to understand that you're going to need to pay for something else because any mm -hmm. platform that's giving it to you for free is getting something a benefit from you for using that and and that's kind of you know what we're stuck with right now but the opportunity is all in how we use it right and right. that's that, you know we shouldn't rely on facebook to tell us what's real and what's not right we should be right. the, the filter of that and we can be we always can be yeah, we definitely have to become better consumers of news as well. And then, you know, <laughs> it, get, it gets easier to spot the fakes, right, if you understand how these things work. Um, but, you know, anybody can be fooled. The The biggest media organizations in the world have been fooled and get it wrong and, and you know, on all sorts of different issues. Um, going going back to something a, a, a little more a little more positive. Um, it, it is an it, it it's a wonderful way though Facebook and you know this sort of almost like we don't want to love Facebook right because we we love it when like oh Instagram even though Facebook owns Instagram when that all the attention seemed to be going towards Instagram we got excited right well Twitter was rising oh yes it's gonna be but somehow it all still comes back to Facebook even with live streaming I mean I I started out doing it on Blab I loved it on Blab I used other platforms after Blab went away. At the end of the day, the best place to do a show is on Facebook Live. You can't get away from Facebook, even if you want to. So sometimes I feel like you just don't fight it. I mean, it's 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 a it's a great place. It's where I'm connected. And and most of the people who share common interests I'm engaged with in groups, uh, you know, through my personal profile, all that. I mean, it's still like I, I hate to say this, but it still is the the best social platform for, you know, most people. And, and, and it works for you, Ross, and that's what matters, right? That's what matters right now. And it's, I've never said I hated, well, I did go through a phase where I said I hated <laughs> Facebook, but, um, but, 
there's two platforms that I just, I love and they're Twitter and Facebook. And mm -hmm. I love Twitter because it's still a platform that I can basically connect with just about anybody in the world. Um, there's right. no permission base for me to actually connect with somebody on, on Twitter. In in most cases, I know you can have a protected account and I can't communicate with you that way, but, um, that's why I love Twitter is because it's really right. an open source of, of connection. Um, Facebook, I love because I've, I think I've done a pretty good job over the last several years of really connecting with a pretty diverse group of people, um, people that I've met recently, people that I've gone to school with, people that are very liberal, people that are very conservative. And, you know, and and now I'm starting to branch out and connect with people from all over the world. So I'm getting a different perspective from mm -hmm. globally. And so in the last couple of years, I've gone from really having this, this, you know, I wish there was something better than Facebook to really appreciating Facebook for being a go-to source. I mean, they, they've made searching so much better than what it used to be. They've, you know, they've made, you know, the opportunity for us right. to, you know, to collect and, and share and do these live videos now that are, are really putting it in what I love using Facebook for and how I want to be using it. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm really excited about, I think what Facebook is, is doing yet. I also understand why they're doing it, you know, and, and that's important too, is you got to understand why they're doing it. But um, those are my two favorite platforms. It's not that I'm not active on any of the other ones. It, these two are just the ones where I personally find right. that I connect with more people and I can use them in two very different ways but but both of them helped me out immensely. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think those are still the two that are the major, major ones for most people. And of course, for some people, LinkedIn, depending on what industry they're in and what where they are in their career and what they're doing, um, have some, you know, real success using LinkedIn. LinkedIn's kind of a necessity, right? It's kind of like putting your clothes on when you go out the door, right? You have to have a LinkedIn profile if you're gonna be I mean depends what you do and whatever, but most people still feel like you got to have that in business, right? It, people look you up and don't find a LinkedIn profile. They think you don't exist, but, um, being social on LinkedIn is, is not as often. <laughs> Let's just say that as, as other platforms. Um, I am curious to see what they'll do with Skype since they, they now, uh, are owned by, uh, by Microsoft and have the chance to have that integration if they want to, because Skype is so high quality for video and audio and um, all different types of communication. Yeah, that it will be interesting to see if they end up doing something. Um, I really don't, I haven't heard any rumors about that. I haven't heard any thoughts about that. So you're the first one that's brought that up, but I do <laughs> think it, it would be very interesting. Um, part of me is wondering, are they even thinking of that? And even if somebody hears what you just said, will they actually take action to make that happen? Well, I, I think, you know, I, they've started with some video for like live video, I think, for certain of their top influencers or whatever they they call the top people, you know, who who post the most and have the biggest followings or whatever. Um, I I know I would be and I'm not a big go go live from my cell phone person any anyway, but I certainly would be very hesitant to do uh, a random live stream on on LinkedIn. Right. I mean, <laughs> It just that's, you know, <laughs> you, you don't put a picture of yourself in a bathing suit on on your resume. Right. I mean, I would be much more careful about putting going live on on uh, on LinkedIn. 
But see, I don't, I, I mean, to me, Ross, that's how I view all the social networks, right? Because, right, right. and you know this, right? I mean, we're getting back kind of into the employer and HR right. realm, but, but if you're a recruiter, they're, um, you know, they're going right to all your social networks and finding you online. They don't care about which professional platform you're on. They want to see you as a person and how you act as an, as a holistic person, not just what your professional side is. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it can be something that people should be pay, paying attention to anyway, but it actually might like make LinkedIn a little bit more social than it is. And, it and would make it more I think social. have that, that feeling that LinkedIn is, is kind of the sterile environment now. Right. It's not very social. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It's, it's basically you put your resume on there, basically. It's your digital, your, your little digital resume, and then you don't come back to it until you need a job. <laughs> but but here's, here's the thing, though, I, and I think from a, like somebody who's, who's been a recruiter and, and works with recruiters, um, there is something of knowing people need to know their, you know, sort of respect their platform as well. Just as if, you know, a company invited you to a picnic versus inviting you to go to a fancy restaurant or whatever, you would dress differently. Knowing what goes on Facebook and what goes on LinkedIn to some extent, like if you see somebody constantly posting personal stuff or constantly sharing political rants on LinkedIn, you kind of go, that person might not have real good boundaries or sense of like what now I understand an ideal world, right? We, we are who we are, wherever we are. Right. But that isn't the world that, that obviously we live in or where, where businesses operate. Right. So you want somebody who has a little bit of discretion. So how you look at a picture of somebody holding a beer, let's say in their hand or whatever, if they put it on LinkedIn, you're going to go, what were they thinking? But if they put it on Facebook, you go, eh, the person has a social life. Well, we expect that that most of our employees do, right? <laughs> Does that make I would sense? Hope so. Yeah. Oh no. I, I mean, it makes perfect sense. I was going to say now. Now, if you're in Tampa, Florida, and you were mm -hmm. invited to a picnic or a, a a nice restaurant, you probably could end up wearing the same thing. Yeah. No, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you get the idea, right? <laughs> I do. <laughs> Tim, this was just such a fun hour. I, I, I mean, you're just such a wonderful guest and uh, a great friend. And I, I love having you on the show. And uh, um, thank you. That's all I can say is thank you. And uh, it's such great insights about what's coming in, in live video and, you know, what you've experienced. And, and as we look forward to 2017, I think it's going to be an exciting year for people who are trying to stay on top of live video or just getting involved in it too. Or it's just getting about involved them. with it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Definitely. And if, if it goes the way you see it going, it will make it easier for more people to get involved with it and do more different types of content. Exactly. So thank you so much, Tim McDonald for coming on. It's great having you on the show. Thank you, Ross. Always my pleasure. And, and, you know, I got to thank, uh, Mark Babbitt for connecting us together yes. uh, many years ago. So, uh, <laughs> give a shout out to him too. And, uh, and, uh, thank you for all you do. I know, you know, I know I mentioned it earlier, but you really do do a great service to so many people that are, are getting involved in live stream. And, and if you haven't checked out Ross's, uh, daily, uh, updates, I, and you're doing a show, definitely get in touch with them because he'll be able to help you out. And, um, that that's a good quality to have is helping others. So thank you for that, Ross. 
Thanks so much, Tim. And we'll be back next week with Nazim Beltran. And then two weeks from today will be our season finale for 2016. We have Leslie Nance from GoToKitchens will be joining us. We'll see you back here next week, Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern on Facebook Live. Have a great night, everybody.